Why Easter? Although most who profess Christianity now celebrate it, Easter Sunday was actually not observed by the second century Christians in Asia Minor. Uh, they observed Passover. Although the Bible does teach that Jesus was resurrected, it never once suggested that that should be observed as some type of a Sunday holiday. Jesus specifically taught Christians that they were supposed to observe Passover on the 14th as he did. Yet few who profess Christianity actually observe Passover. So what happened? How did we end up with, with Easter? Well, it's sort of complicated, and I've heard some simplistic explanations. And I'm going to, in this sermon, I'm going to try to give you some reasons why uh, Easter uh, developed as it did. And it seems to go back to the second century, possibly beginning with a bishop of Rome named uh, uh, Telesphorus, or possibly Hygienus, or possibly somebody who may have been named Sixtus. Uh, what's now called Easter began to be observed in Rome. But first, all it really was supposed to be was a change in the date of Passover. Uh, Passover was on the 14th. That's when the Jews kept it. That's when uh, Jesus kept it, Apostle John, Apostle Philip. But because of some problems caused by Jewish revolts, it became disadvantageous to have much to do with the Jews. And so we saw some people in the second century try to distance themselves from, Jew, from the Jews, including those who professed Christ. And so one of the changes that they started to do is they implemented this idea of having Passover on a Sunday instead of a, a morning, basically, instead of the night of the 14th. In the era of Jerusalem, there was something called the Bar Kokhba uh, revolt. And it was when the Jews were revolting against the Roman emperors. At this time, it was Roman, the Roman Empire, and it was Emperor Hadrian. Well, Hadrian didn't like this, and he sent in his troops, and they won. And around 135, Hadrian renamed Jerusalem Ilea Capitolina. So it wasn't called Jerusalem then. The reason I tell you this at the, at the beginning is I'm going to read something from Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, and Protestant scholars about this. And this all has something to do with how we ended up with Easter. The first is from the Catholic Encyclopedia. It says, The shortest apostolic church is that of Jerusalem. In 130, the holy city was destroyed by Hadrian, a new town, Ilea Capitolina, erected on its site. Well, I will correct that slightly, and that is it was 135, um, that it really uh, was taken over by Hadrian. So that Catholic CP was written over a century ago, and sometimes I find they've been off on their dates a little bit. But what they're saying, the Catholic Church is saying, there was apostolic succession in Jerusalem until Hadrian destroyed it and renamed it. And that's important because up until the time Emperor Hadrian took over, or his troops took over, he didn't actually wasn't the one who actually personally did it, but he had his troops do it. Those people kept Passover on the 14th. They didn't do it on Sunday. Now here's the Greek Orthodox. This they, this one's more modern, so they get the year right. In 135 A.D., the Roman Emperor Hadrian builds on the ruins of Jerusalem a new Roman city and names it Ilena Capitolina, and he permits Christians to come back. However, the Jewish are not permitted to come in town. Now, what's interesting about this is twofold. One, he didn't permit real Christians to go in. He only allowed compromised Christians to go back in. We'll get to that in a moment. But what I found was interesting where they said he would not allow the Jewish to come into town. Well, 
Jewish individuals who adopted a compromised form of Christianity apparently were allowed in the town. But Christians who had practices that were considered too Jewish, they weren't allowed in the town. That's actually what happened. Now, this is from a Protestant scholar, uh, uh, Joseph uh, Lightfoot. He's fairly well known. But the church at Aila Capitolina was very differently constituted from the church of Pella and the church of Jerusalem. Right. Those who came back in did not have the original practices and they were not keeping Passover on the 14th. Not a few doubtless accepted the conqueror's terms, content to live therefore as Gentiles in the new city of Hadrian. But there were others who hung to the law of their forefathers. And that's true, but they weren't allowed back in. At least they weren't supposed to be back in. So we have from some historians saying, okay, something odd happened between 130-135. And the people who came back to Jerusalem, which it was renamed, Aila Capitolina, those were not the same kind of Christians that were there before. And these are the ones who started to observe what is now called Easter Sunday. The church in Pella, which uh, Lightfoot mentioned, was actually a faithful church. And the Nazarene Christians later claimed that, that they were those who had come from Pella. But those who went back into this new Aeola Capitolina, Jerusalem, they were, they were not faithful. Now I'm going to read something from uh, the historian uh, uh, Gibbon, who wrote it. The emperor founded, under the name of Aeola Capitolina, a new city on Mount Zion, which he gave the privilege of a, count, a colony, denouncing the severest penalties against any of the Jewish people who would dare approach its precincts. And he put a vigilant garrison of Romans to enforce execution of this order. The Nazarenes only had one way to escape from this. And that was, okay, the original Christians, they had a choice. So some of them elected Marcus for their bishop, a prelate of the race of the Gentiles, and probably either a native of Italy or one of the Latin provinces. At his persuasion, the most considerable part of the congregation renounced the Mosaic law, a practice which they had persevered for above a century. Oh, that's not commonly understood. Most people who profess Christ don't realize that the Mosaic Law was actually kept by people in Jerusalem for over a century after Jesus died. But oh, this, this was a change. By the sacrifice of their habit and prejudice, they purchased a free admission into the colony of Hadrian. So if you wanted to go to Hadrian's Jerusalem, now called Aila Capitolina, if you wanted to do that, uh, you couldn't, uh, didn't want you to keep the Sabbath. They didn't want you to avoid unclean meats. They didn't want you to do Passover on the 14th. When the name and honors of Church of Jerusalem had been restored, the crimes of heresy and schism were imputed to the obscure remnant of Nazarenes which refused to accompany their Latin bishop. So in other words, the true Christians who would not compromise, who were called Nazarenes by Gibbon's report, they were considered heretics and schismatics, so they wouldn't do it. Now, uh, the late Seventh-day Adventist scholar Samuel Bakioki noted that the change from Easter Sunday and the weekly Sunday was due to persecution. And, and actually, cowardice is what happened. People in Rome were afraid, people who professed Christ in Rome were afraid that if they appeared too Jewish, that this would be, cause them more trouble. People in Jerusalem couldn't appear Jewish, in terms of uh, religious practices because they wouldn't even be allowed in. 
it was this type of fear and compromise which has led which is which led to this changing of Passover being on the 14th of Nisan to a Sunday. Now I'm going to read this from Dr. Bakayoki. The actual introduction of Easter Sunday appears to have occurred in Palestine after Emperor Hadrian ruthlessly crushed the Bar Kokhba revolt. The fact that the Passover controversy arose when he adopted new repressive measures against Jewish religious practices suggests the measures influenced the new Gentile hierarchy to change the Passover from the 14th of Nisan to the following Sunday in order to show separation, differentiation from the Jews and the Jewish Christians. And that's what I was saying. Then he continues with this. A whole body of against the Jews literature was produced by leading fathers who defamed the Jews as a people and emptied their religious beliefs. The two major casualties of the anti-Jewish campaign were Sabbath and the Passover. The Sabbath was changed to Sunday and Passover was changed, transferred to Easter Sunday. Scholars recognize the anti-Judaic motivation for the repudiation of the Jewish reckoning of Passover and the adoption of Easter Sunday instead. Dr. Lightfoot also explains that those of Roman Alexandria adopted Easter Sunday, Sunday quote, to avoid even the semblance of Judaism. So they didn't want to look like anything to do with the Jews. And that was a problem. They wanted to separate from the Jews, and that was their motivation. Their motivation was not to go to, to this book and do what it said. They were afraid. They were afraid the Roman authorities thought they were too much like the Jews. And so they made a change. Now, Irenaeus claimed that Anicetus of Rome, who was one who argued with Polycarp, was following the practices of previous Roman bishops in terms of this whole Sunday matter. Around 180, Irenaeus wrote, in a presbyter's preceding soror in the government of the church, which I do now rule, I mean Anicetus, Pius, Hygienus, Telesiris, and Sextus, did neither themselves observe it, nor permit those with them to do so. So they didn't keep Passover on the 14th. Now we don't really know how far back this goes because this was actually written decades after a change was apparently made. But we do know that around 155 AD, Polycarp of Smyrna went to Rome. And he went there to deal with various heretics. And he tried to persuade Bishop Anicetus to not change. So let me read also from uh, Irenaeus. This is from the fragments of the lost writings of Irenaeus. He said, When the blessed Polycarp was sojourning in Rome in the time of Anicetus, a controversy arose as to certain points, but neither could Anicetus persuade Polycarp to forego the observance inasmuch as these things have always been observed by John, the disciple of the Lord, and other apostles with him, with whom he'd been conversant. So in other words... Anicetus tried to tell Polycarp, you don't have to keep Passover on the 14th to switch over to Sunday. But Polycarp said no. The Apostle John and other uh, apostles that Polycarp spoke with, they all kept it on the 14th. So he wasn't going to switch. However, uh, Polycarp could not uh, succeed in persuading Anicetus to change. Because Anicetus said, no, it's a tradition. But Polycarp said, yeah, but it's not a tradition from here. It's not a tradition of the apostles. It doesn't matter that one or more bishops of Rome before you switch to Sunday, you shouldn't do it. Now, the, even the Eastern Orthodox realized that Passover was originally observed 
at night. And that's important because basically when Easter is observed now, it's observed as a Sunday morning practice as opposed to a, a nightly practice. And this is from the Eastern Orthodox, Origins of Pascha and the Great Week. Our earliest sources for the annual celebrations of Christian Pascha come for us come to us from the second century. The feast, however, must have originated in the apostolic period. I agree. According to the earliest documents, Pascha, or Passover, is described as a nocturnal celebration. So in other words, they know the Eastern Orthodox, who also keep Sunday for uh, Easter Sunday, they know that it originally was supposed to be Passover, and it was supposed to be at night. But they don't, they don't do it. Other scholars know this as well. I'm going to read from a document called Irish Jesus, Roman Jesus, the formation of early Irish Christianity. The first Christians celebrated the death of Jesus with a Pascha Eucharist on a lunar day of the Jewish Passover. That's true. At first, there was no annual celebration of the resurrection. And that's correct. And people now are going to be celebrating Easter, or they do celebrate Easter, and they consider it as a resurrection holiday. But that is not what happened from the beginning. Jesus did not tell people to do a resurrection holiday. He said to observe Passover. He says, this uh, continues, Eventually in the Gentile word, the day of resurrection was added to the Pascha festival. That day was Sunday. At the Council of Nicaea, it was ruled that Easter Sunday would be celebrated on a Sunday immediately following the full moon, which came after the vernal equinox. So we have this idea that some councils of men changed the Bible, and for the for, and compromisers went along with this. Hey, first they do they compromise because they don't want to get killed. They switch it to Sunday. Then part of it, I think, was because they had Sunday. They decided, you know, maybe we should say Jesus was resurrected on Sunday. That gives us a reason to have a holiday then. And that's actually not what the Bible teaches. And so that, those are the first couple of compromising steps to get us into what we now call Easter. Now, if you take your Bibles about some compromise, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, and starting in verse 7, Galatians 5, verse 7, it says, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Verse 8, This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven levels, excuse me, leavens the whole lump. And I mention this because the Apostle Paul is telling people, look, if you start to compromise a little bit, it's, it's, it's not good. And so what we first started to see is we saw compromise because people were scared. Then they tried to come up with justification to, to switch this. And it, it gets worse over time. But I'm going to go furthermore on this. So the, the, the Eastern Orthodox Church, by the way, also knows that the churches in Asia Minor, which, by the way, they claim they sprung up from, originally did not keep Passover on Sunday. And here's one thing they wrote that said in 193 AD, the Council of Rome, presided over by Bishop Victor, condemns the celebration of Pascha on Nisan 14 and addresses a letter. And then it says, 193, the Council of Ephesus, presided over by Bishop Polycrates, now he would have been a real Christian, and attended by several bishops throughout Asia, actually it seems like it was a lot of them, rejected the authority of Victor of Rome and kept the Asian Pascha tradition. 
Well, it wasn't just the, the tradition of keeping Passover on the 14th. It was actually the practices of the apostles. Now, over a century later, however, there were still people who were uh, either compromised the Greco-Romans or didn't compromise the Greco-Romans, and they were still keeping Passover on the 14th. So this was distressing to some. So Emperor Constantine held a council, the Council of Nicaea, at 325. And I'm going to read from Epiphanius, who was a historian uh, near that time. The emperor, that's Constantine, convened a council of 318 bishops in the city of Nicaea. They passed certain ecclesiastical canons at the council besides, and at the same time decreed in regard to Passover that there must be one unanimous concord on the celebration of God's holy and supremely excellent day, for it was variously observed by people. So back then, Epiphanius still knew it was called Passover, but he said that it was not all kept on the same day. Why? Because some went along with the Sunday idea and others decided to keep it on the 14th. Now, according to Eusebius's life of Constantine, the Emperor Roman, the Roman Emperor Constantine declared, let us have nothing in common with the detestable Jewish crowd, for we have received from our Savior a different way. So one of the reasons that Constantine wanted this to be on a Sunday was because he said the Jews were detestable. They, we don't want anything to do with that crowd. We learned something different from our Savior. Not from this book. Jesus was a Jew. He was of Jewish heritage. And he kept Passover on the 14th. So they did not learn a different date from Jesus. But this is what they claim. Now this didn't stop everybody from keeping uh, Passover on the 14th. It got so bad, as far as the Greco-Romans were concerned, I'm going to read from the Edict of Theodosius against Heretics of 380-394. And this is from Gibbon, actually. He wrote, Theodosius decreed that by the death of the offender that capital punishment was afflicted on the audience or the court of Desmians who dared to perpetuate the atrocious crime of celebrating an improper day of the festival of Easter, which back then was still called Passover. So you even got the death penalty from doing that. Um, this sounds very non-Christian to me. You don't kill people for doing what Jesus did. It's more of a doctrine of Antichrist. Now I'm going to read what John Chrysostom, who was called the golden-throated one, and he was a, a bishop, uh, supposedly one of the first of Constantinople. Uh, when my wife and I were actually in Istanbul, we actually saw his painting in the Orthodox uh, Church over there. Anyway, he said that 300 fathers or even more gathered in the land of Bithynia and ordained this by law. This is about Passover. Yet you disdain their decrees. You must choose one of two courses. Either you must charge them with ignorance for their want of exact knowledge of this matter, or you charge them with cowardice because they were not ignorant, but played the hypocrite and betrayed the truth. Yes, I do charge them with uh, actually both. Uh, they were cowardly, hypocritical, and some of them were probably ignorant of the truth. But all the events of the council make it clear that they showed great wisdom and courage at that time. The article of faith they set forth at the council shows how wise they were. So he's saying it's an article of faith that you believe that Passover should have been switched and it was okay that Emperor Constantine switched it to Sunday. He says, Christians must believe this. So they also passed a decree that they must celebrate the Paschal feast in harmony together.
Look what you do when you condemn fathers so great, so courageous, and so wise. Well, but they weren't great. They weren't courageous and they weren't wise from a biblical perspective. And again, Constantine comes out and says, we did this to get away from the uh, detestable Jewish crowd. That doesn't sound biblical. It doesn't seem they have the love of God. It doesn't seem like they're trying to do what Jesus wanted to do. Now, when Victor wanted Polycrates and others to switch Passover to Easter Sunday, he wrote him a long letter, and I've read this in, uh, in, in times before. I'm going to just conclude with uh, Polycrates' letter. Just read the conclusion part of Polycrates' letter. I therefore, brethren, who have lived 65 years in the Lord and have met with brethren throughout the world, have gone through every holy scripture... I am not frightened by terrifying words, for greater than I have said, we must obey God rather than man. So Polycrates, when he wrote back to, he wrote to Bishop Victor about this matter, said, look, I've looked at the scriptures, and I know the people who knew the people who knew the apostles and Jesus, and they all kept Passover the 14th, and you, you can't give me the switch. Now, the other thing that should just jump out at everybody about this whole Easter matter is the fact it's called Easter. Now, where does this come from? It does not come from the Bible. It's true in the King James Version once, they mistranslated the word uh, Pascha as Easter. But the word is Pascha, which was the Greek word for Passover. And I'm going to read where this word actually comes from and some things related to it. The English term, according to the Venerable Bede, now this is from the Catholic Encyclopedia, by the way, this first quote, relates to Estar, a Teutonic goddess of the rising light of day and spring, which the deity, uh, the Anglo-Saxons call Easter Estron, High German called it Ostra Ostara, Osterun, Ostern. April was called Easter Monad, or the Easter month. Okay, because of the celebration for the goddess Easter. Now that's from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Now I'll read from another source. This is from L.L.C. Hamilton, uh, who wrote this in the 1800s, 1884. Now, they spell the word I-S-H-T-A-R, Easter. In German, you don't tend to say the H as much, so it's Easter, which is where we got the word Easter. Easter was one of the most prominent deities of the Assyrian pantheon. The pantheon was a bunch of different gods, which that referred to. She was the Assyrian goddess of love, she was the Astra of the Jews or Hebrews, which are condemned, by the way, Astra poles and stuff are condemned by this book. And worship of her is condemned there. She is a planetary Venus. In general, her features uh, correspond to the classic goddess of love. Her name Ishtar, by which she was known in Assyria, and the same name prevailed with slight modifications among the Semite nations generally. In Babylonia, the goddess was known as Nana, she may be identified with the Ostre of the Germans or Easter. To this goddess, our Saxon and German ancestors sacrificed in April, which was therefore the, by them styled Easter Monad or Easter month. And from thence arose our word Easter, which the Saxons retained after their conversion to Christianity, so called conversion, so that our Easter day is nothing more or less than Easter's day. The name became attached by association to the idea of the Christian festival, the resurrection, which happened at the time of the Passover. No, the resurrection is several days after the Passover. Okay, but 
because of the compromises earlier, we started to see a resurrection holiday. Well, a resurrection talks, is like being reborn, and the fertility spring goddess holidays had to do with that. So it's just one step closer. So we saw some compromises. Anyway, getting back to this. The English name Easter and the German Ostern are derived from the Teutonic god Osterda, whose festival was celebrated by ancient Saxons with particular solemnities in the month of April. For, for which, as many as in other instances, the first Roman missionaries substituted for the Paschal Feast. So first they just switched it to Sunday. Then they said, you know, it's okay. We're just going to, you can kind of have your holiday. We're just going to say it's Passover. It's unbelievable. Then he continues here. says, The Council of Nicaea ordained in 325 and should always be kept on Sunday. Thus we find originally the festival of Easter and occurred on the Sabbath of Elo, or the festival Sabbath of the Assyrians, which occurred in August or the harvest time, and afterwards became united with the Passover or the Paschal Feast of the Jews, and finally adopted by the he wrote Christian, I'll say Catholic Church, as the Easter Sabbath, changing the date to the spring or seed time or in April, and from the harvest month of or August. Among the Assyrians, it was a feast day of Easter and Nergal. Nergal. The Phoenician name of Easter was Astarte. She was, she was called by Jeremiah the Queen of Heaven. She was sometimes called the Goddess of the Chase, corresponding to, the, to Diana as well as Venus, the Goddess of Love. Mr. George Rawlinson says, The worship of Easter was widespread and her shrines were numerous. She's often called the Queen of Babylon. Now this book, Revelation 18.4, says come out of Babylon. So we've got... The Babylonian connections here. It may be suspected that her symbol was the naked female form. And actually, I was trying to look for pictures of Easter, and most of them, she was not appropriately dressed. I'll just leave it at that. Biblically, the adoption of. Biblically, there was no reason to adopt Easter. Basically, it was adopted as a compromise with paganism. And because of the switch to Sunday, because of the fact it became a resurrection holiday, it just seemed a lot like the, East, the, the Easter, April, uh, reborn resurrection holidays that certain pagans were keeping. And again, there were t- different ones for Easter. One was an August one, one was a, uh, a spring one. And the spring one is what ended up uh, predominating. Now, we know there's all kinds of odd symbols associated with Easter. You know, where did they come from? Well, there's a couple different legends. Uh, one, according to one Babylonian legend, it's claimed that Easter caused the fish, fish goddess Atargatis to cause a great egg to fall in the Euphrates River, where a fish pushes the snore to the shore. Semiramis was then miraculously born. The Easter egg, or the Easter egg, does not represent a stone rolled away from the tomb like medieval church said it did. So for a while, when they started to have Easter eggs, and the Catholic Church said, oh, this represents the stone that was pushed away from Jesus' tomb. Well, eggs are kind of small. They wouldn't be that big. But the original Easter egg was probably considered fairly large. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, the English word Easter, however, corresponds to Oster and re- reveals Christianity's indebtedness to the Teutonic tribes of Central Europe. I don't think Christianity's indebted to this because we uh, true Christians never adopted Easter. Christianity, when it reached the Teutons, incorporated the celebration of the great Christian feast day many heathen with many heathen rites and customs. 
in how they are observing their spring festival. That the festival of the resurrection occurred in the spring, that it celebrated the triumph of life over death, made it easy for the Catholic Church to identify that this occasion, the most joyous festival of the Teutons, and, and held in honor of the death of winter and the birth of a new year and return of the sun. So there's a lot of different pagan concepts going around in here. You've got the Easter one, and you've also got, well, this resurrection and the death of winter and the rebirth of the sun. All these things are happening, and some who compromised on the Bible before said, this is a good time. We can compromise. We'll get more people if we switch this. Now I'm going to read a different view on Easter eggs a little bit. Now this legend is slightly different and I've seen both legends and I haven't seen the original source documents so it's difficult to tell if one legend is more appropriate for the other or more likely. According to another Babylonian legend a huge egg fell from heaven landing Euphrates River. Okay, that sounds the same. But in this one the goddess Estar broke out of the egg. Later the feature of egg nesting was introduced. A nest for the egg would be incubated until it hatched. A wicker or reed basket was used to nest the Easter, the Easter egg. Hence, the Easter egg basket. That's from one source here. The Easter egg hunt is based on the notion if anyone found Easter's egg while she was being reborn, she would bestow a blessing on that lucky person. Because this was a joyous festival, eggs were colored in bright spring pastel colors. And then this source continues, Easter bunny. Among the Celts, custom dictated that the goddess totem would lay eggs for the good children to eat. Easter's hair was a shape that the Celts imagined was the surface of the full moon. Since Easter Ostarte was a goddess of fertility because rabbits procreate quickly, the rabbit became associated with a sexual act and the egg became a symbol of birth and renewal. So we see a couple different versions of the whole egg idea. Now I should say, amongst the Greco-Roman world, they claim that what happened was in Mesopotamia, some people stained eggs red and that that was supposed to represent the blood of Jesus and therefore it's okay to have Easter eggs, basically. But in this book, the blood of Jesus is represented by wine in, the, in Luke 22, but it's not represented by an egg. Actually, in the New Testament, the word egg is only used once, and it said, which of you when the son asks for an egg will be granted a scorpion? Okay, that, that's the only time egg is mentioned in the New Testament. Yet we have uh, this tradition where people decide somehow they're honoring Jesus by having these eggs. Now I want to read some information from the Catholic Encyclopedia about Easter. It claims that Easter is a principal feast of the ecclesiastical year. Well, we know that's not the case because it was not originally kept by early Christians. Uh, the connection between the Jewish and a Christian Passover explains the movable characteristics of this feast. Easter has no fixed date like Christmas because it's just based on the uh, semantic calendar. Since Christ, the true Paschal Lamb, had been slain the very day when the Jews, in celebration of their Passover, immolated the figurative lamb, the Jewish Christians in the Orient followed the Jewish method. For this they claimed the authority of St. John and St. Philip. And that's what I said before. The early apostles kept Passover on the 14th. They didn't switch it to Sunday and it became Easter. The Greco-Romans know this. This is again from the Catholic Encyclopedia. But they don't seem to think that's important enough. It says, in the rest of the empire, another consideration predominated. Yeah, compromise. Every Sunday the year was a commemoration of the resurrection of Christ. I will also say at this stage, and I didn't mention this before, but one of the reasons Emperor Constantine preferred the Sunday 
date was that he was a follower of the uh, god Mithras, and Mithras was a sun god. And Emperor Constantine had already believed that Sunday was basically a holy day. He actually implemented one of the first Sunday laws, actually one, the broadest one that we know of uh, at first. And so he liked the idea of having Sunday holidays. So that's another reason I believe that some of the bishops compromised so they didn't want to get in trouble from Emperor Constantine. All right, well, anyway, Catholic Encyclopedia about Easter eggs says, The symbolic meaning of a new creation of mankind by Jesus, risen from the dead, was probably an invention of later times. Probably? Of course it was. They know this idea of Easter eggs and having association with the the resurrection of Jesus was not originally Christian. But now let me tell you what else they wrote wrote about this. This is again the Catholic Encyclopedia. The custom may have its origin in paganism. Of course it has its origin in paganism. For a great many pagan customs celebrating the return of spring gravitated to Easter. They gravitated to Easter? No. These people were keeping those. And so what happened is a lot of the Greco-Romans said, okay, we'll compromise. You can keep those festivals. That's okay. The egg is the emblem of germinating life of early spring. Yes, I understand that. It was a pagan symbol for that. It wasn't a Christian symbol for that. It was a pagan symbol for that. It was part of the pagan holidays. The Easter rabbit. This is forgetting from the Catholic Encyclopedia. The Easter rabbit lays the eggs for which reason they are hidden in a nest or in a garden. The rabbit's a pagan symbol and has always been an emblem of fertility. So the Catholic Encyclopedia at least knows that one. And this part with Easter eggs is kind of strange. On Easter Monday, the women had a right to strike their husbands. On Tuesday, the men strike their wives. You're supposed to go on hitting each other. In Newmark, Germany, on Easter Day, the men's servants whipped the maid servants with switches. On Monday, the maids whipped the men. Doesn't sound really appropriate. They secure their release with Easter eggs. These customs are probably of pre-Christian origin. Well, they don't come from this book. The apostles didn't do it. There's no evidence whatsoever that early Christians thought that, uh, that the husbands should beat their wives one day and the wives beat the husbands the next day and manservants and maidservants beat each other and secure their release with eggs. Probably of pagan origin. Of course it's of pagan origin. But they use some of these terms so they don't offend their people so much. But they do know some of the truth. A lot of scholars know that Easter is not a Christian holiday. They know they got the name from a pagan goddess. They know that the customs are pagan, but they observe it anyway. Now, the Church of Rome, after adopting some of these practices, we even went a step further. And they considered eggs to be an emblem or a symbol of the resurrection. So much so, related to Easter eggs, around 1610 A.D., uh, Pope Paul V, let me read you what he wrote. Well, this is an English version of it. Here's what he wrote about the Easter eggs. Bless, O Lord, we beseech thee, this thy creature of eggs, that it may become a wholesome sustenance to thy faithful servants, eating it in thankfulness to thee on account of the resurrection of the Lord. That's what the Pope said around 1610. He pronounced a blessing on Easter eggs. It doesn't have anything to do with the resurrection of Jesus. But... That's what they've done. And that's another, another compromise. I mean, we've got, Let me read some more about uh, Easter. She wasn't just a sunrise goddess. Uh, let me read this part. Easter. She was both a fertility and war goddess. 
Now, the war goddess part might explain some of the beating. Easter or Astarte is in effect the same worship of an old Babylonian sex cult instituted by Semiramis, the warrior queen, who had a lust for blood. And that's where this originally came from. Here's another one. Easter was seen as a personification of the planet Venus, and together with Shemush, the sun god, and Sin, the moon god, she formed an astral triad. So yeah, she was part of a, an odd trinity. So we've got this sex goddess, war god, goddess creature, and people consider that this has to do with Jesus and that this holiday should be celebrated. It's the principal one of the year. It's, it, it, they don't get this from the Bible. Now the Bible itself condemns certain practices associated with Easter, such as hot cross bruns. If you want to go you can, there, for example, you can look in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 18 as well as the worship of the sun toward the east which you can look that up in Ezekiel uh, 8, 15 through 18 as well as the worship of Astarte or uh, Astaroth and you can look that up in your concordance you'll see it's a lot of, it's condemned a lot in the Old Testament even Protestant commentaries and commentators know about this stuff for example this is I'm reading this from uh, Wycliffe Bible Commentary on Jeremiah 7. Cakes the Queen of Heaven. Probably a reference to the Babylonian fertility goddess Estar, the goddess of the planet Venus. Okay, so they know Estar was... And these cakes for for her were prohibited. But hot cross buns are basically the same thing now. And uh, this one will be from Matthew Henry's commentary. Jeremiah 7. What is the sin of which they are charged here? It is idolatry. Verse 18. Their idolatrous respects were paid to the queen of heaven, the moon, either an image or an original or both. They worship it probably under the name of Astaroth or some of their other goddesses. Easter. So both Catholic and Protestant scholars know that this is wrong. Now I'm going to read you something from the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica in 1910. This is under the article Easter. There is no indication of the observance of the Easter festival in the New Testament or in the writings of the Apostolic Fathers. The first Christians continued to observe the Jewish festivals, though in a new spirit, as the commemorations events which those festivals had foreshadowed. Thus the Passover, with new conception added to it, of Christ the true Paschal Lamb and the first fruits of the dead, continue to be observed. So that is what was happening. People were continuing to observe Passover and other so-called Jewish holidays. This idea about Easter and Easter bunnies and eggs and that kind of thing, that was not a practice of the original Christians. They just did not do that. This idea about rabbits being associated with it, uh, if you want, you can go there, but I'm going to just read uh, the, the, uh, what I found in the Bible about rabbits. Uh, they don't say very much. In Leviticus 11, chapter, excuse me, verse 6, it says the hare, because it that's type of rabbit, because it chews the cud but does not have ho, clo, hooves, cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides its hooves, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, it's unclean to you. Verse 8. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. Now, in case some of you may be Catholic watching this, you say, well, okay, well, what does the Catholic translation say of this? But of them that chew the cud, but do not divide the hoof, you shall not eat, such as the camel, the hare, etc. 
Uh, again, that's the Dewey Rames. This is from uh, Deuteronomy 14, 7 through 8. Their flesh you shall not eat, their carcasses you shall not touch. But we have a situation now that, you know, rabbits are associated with, with supposedly with Jesus and Easter. If you go to the department stores this time of the well, this Easter time of the year, or just before it, in the springtime, you're going to see all kinds of uh, rabbit things out there. Bible doesn't say to do a celebration of rabbits or anything. You know, it just says you know you're not supposed to eat them. They're an unclean creature. But that's that's it. Now, some have said, well, did the Christians have any kind of Sunday observance at all? And this is tricky. Uh, one uh, person from uh, uh, Christian Education Ministries felt that there was a wave. Well, I just felt this. There was a wave sheep offering that happened. Uh, the, the Sunday after Passover, and this wave sheave offering uh, happened on a Sunday, and there's a little evidence, not much, that some early Christians may have observed this. Now, why would they observe something on a Sunday, since we know that Jesus was not resurrected on a Sunday? Because what we saw, what we see in Scripture, and because this is mostly about Easter, I'm not going to go into this right now. Jesus ascended to see the Father after he was resurrected, which was a, a, a Saturday afternoon evening, late Saturday afternoon. Uh, the next day when he went and showed himself to the uh, apostles, he then said he hadn't been to the Father, then he went and ascended to the Father, and that was consistent with a wave sheep offering. So some believe that there was some type of observance on that. And uh, to be blunt, I want to do more research on that myself. But I thought I'd say there was a possibility something was observed on a Sunday, but it was basically had to do with the way sheep offering and said, okay, Jesus went to the Father, but it had nothing to do with uh, fertility things, nothing to do with Easter, nothing to do with all these symbols and stuff that people uh, later, later added. Now, some people may not realize, but that Easter Sunday is supposed to be the Roman 14th. And so I'm going to read you a few things from some Roman Catholic historians uh, from the f- uh, 4th century, 5th century time frame. This is from Epiphanius. It says, The court of Decimians contentiously keep Passover on one day once per year. Well, that's what Jesus did. They keep Passover on whatever day the 14th of the month falls. Then he says, Jesus had to be slain in the 14th of the month in accordance with the law. Right, he had to be slain in the 14th of the month according to the law. That's when he was slain, and that's what he told us to observe. You might be saying to yourself, so what? What's this have to do with Easter Sunday? Well, in order to try to justify a Sunday observance, Epiphanius wrote the following. We observe the 14th day then, but we wait until after the equinox and bring the end of our full observance of the sacred Lord's Day. We will miss no one of the observances life-giving festival to Passover as the whole truth prescribes them. Now I know that doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but basically what he is saying, and some other Catholic writers have said as well, is we keep the 14th sort of. We kind of look when the 14th is going to be and then we do the Sunday after it. So that's how we observe the 14th. And because they claim that the 14th is the Lord's Day, I mean the Sunday is the Lord's Day, although some of them I have other ideas about that. Because they claim that was the Lord's Day, uh, then they feel that it was fine and that Jesus wanted them to transfer to that. Uh, and I would uh, uh, strongly disagree with that. 
Interestingly, though, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, they actually keep Passover. Now, people probably do not realize that. Now, they call it the Christian Passover, which is fine, but they say that the Christian Passover is now Easter. And while people who speak languages other than English, let's say uh, Spanish or Greek or Italian or Portuguese or some of those languages, uh, call it Pascha or some version of Passover, so they have a better idea. Those who primarily speak English uh, just consider it Easter. And, and most people that I've run across have no idea, at least American Catholics that I've talked to, have no idea it's supposed to be Passover. Although, again, if they read, their, if they read and studied the Catechism of the Catholic Church, they would see, ah, that's actually what, what they caused it, called it. Now, there are different flaws about Easter, different problems associated with Easter. Uh, and I'm going to go through some additional ones. One is that Jesus was not resurrected on Sunday morning. Even if he did, even if he was, he didn't say to celebrate it then. Uh, we've, you can go to the Cogwriter website. There's an article about the crucifixion week and you can go through all those kind of things for more details. But Jesus was not. In my view, they lean toward a, uh, a resurrection on Sunday to justify having a weekly Sunday observance of the Sabbath as well as this idea of having uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, Easter tends to have sunrise worship associated with it. Uh, that is condemned uh, in the Bible. That's uh, what was basically done for the Queen of Heaven. Uh, we see this uh, in Ezekiel 8. Why don't we go there? Ezekiel 8. And we'll start this in uh, verse 14. So he brought me to the door of the north, of the gate of the Lord's house. And to my display, there were women were weeping there for Tamas, for Tamas, verse 15. And he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Turn again, and you'll see greater abominations than these, verse 16. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And there, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they were worshiping the sun toward the east. Verse 17. Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a trivial thing to the house of Judah to commit the abomination which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence. They have returned to provoke me in anger. Indeed, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I will act in my fury, but I will not spare, I will not have pity, though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. So God here is condemning a sunrise service toward the east, and that is traditionally what very many who actually get up early and observe Easter do. Now everybody doesn't do that, I know that, for different reasons. Some, because they're lazy, uh, uh, who, who believe they should keep Easter. But, but uh, many of the dedicated ones get up and they do that. Okay, I mean, it, it takes a certain it takes a dedication to get up early in the morning and to do this. But God says this is not the kind of dedication that he wants. He doesn't want some type of Easter sunrise service. And he never asked for one anywhere in the Bible. We're not supposed to adopt pagan practices to worship God. Those who worship God are supposed to worship him in spirit and truth. And the truth is, Easter, or Easter is the name of a pagan goddess. The day 
honors the pagan goddess. Okay, they may have changed the day sometimes, so sometimes it falls in uh, uh, March instead of April. Uh, April was the more, slightly more traditional one. So they have the date moving around some, and you say, okay, well, the, the fact the date moves around some shows it's got more of a biblical origin. Well, the biblical origin would have been not to have it on Sunday, but okay. But the practices associated with it do not come from the Bible. And because of this, people do not fully understand the plan of God. They don't understand Passover the way it was intended. People who keep Easter do not keep the days of bread. I mean, there might be some exceptions, but hot cross buns are leavened in them, so that goes against keeping the days of leavened bread. So even for those of you who are saying, well, I don't care if something had a pagan origin, well, okay, but God does. And the question is, are you going to keep God's holy days, or are you going to go with human traditions and substitutes that people came up with that didn't come from the Bible? Now, we in the Church of God are not the only ones who know the pagan origins of, of, of Easter. Okay, I read you some Catholic sources, I read you some Protestant sources, I read you some other sources. Now, this would be from a secular, more of a secular source. This is from uh, The Guardian of April uh, 3rd, 2010. Let me just read this for a moment or so. Easter is a pagan festival. If Easter really isn't about Jesus, what's it all about? Well, today we see a secular culture celebrating the spring equinox, whereas religious culture celebrates the resurrection. See, we're getting a secular culture who's now more into the equinox celebration. And that's actually how Passover ended becoming Easter. It was because of that as well. Now this says, early Christianity made a pragmatic acceptance of ancient pagan practices. No, early Christianity didn't do it. Early compromisers did this. Most of which we enjoy today at Easter. Well, people who keep Easter may enjoy them, but the, again, those were not proper things to do. She, this author is calling these pragmatic, practical. It's the thing to do. You'll re appeal to more people if you compromise. But that's not what we're supposed to do. But anyway, she does get some other correct points in here. She says the Sumerian goddess Inanna, or Ishtar, was hung naked on a stake and was subsequently resurrected and ascended from the underworld. And again, that's again another way they try to tie all this in with, uh, with, with Jesus. Although we see no celebration of Easter in the New Testament, today many churches are offering sunrise services at Easter, an obvious pagan solar celebration. That's exactly right. And actually, one thing I've noticed from some of the uh, new age types uh, or the mother earth types is that they're saying you know a lot of these practices that the so called Christians have kind of similar to ours they shouldn't condemn us because they probably got them from us and I think part of we're seeing some of that together because we're going to see more compromise come in the future with an ecumenical religion that will adopt even more practices associated with uh, uh, let's say new age thought and earth worship, uh, which, again, is a lot of what happened with, with, with Easter. Now, oddly, there were 
there were things in the middle in the Middle Ages where, where some of the Catholic scholars knew what happened. So I'm going to read a little bit of this. A medieval, the medieval historian Catholic priest Bede, who's also known as the Venerable Bede, recorded something from a Catholic abbot named Wilfred. Now he was trying near the beginning of the eighth century to justify why it was okay not to sell, not to follow the Apostle John's practices regarding Passover, but instead keeping Easter Sunday. And I'm going to quote, read this. Uh, This is a quote from uh, this abbot, Wilfred. It says, Far be it for me to charge John with foolishness. He, John, the Apostle John, literally observed the decrees of the Mosaic Law when the church was still Jewish in many respects, at a time when the apostles were unable to bring a sudden end to the law that God had ordained. Oh, so he's saying the apostles couldn't do what God wanted them to do, so they kept these practices for a while. They feared, of course, they might make a stumbling block for their Jewish proselytes. Uh, no, actually, by saying that Jesus was God, that made kind of a stumbling block for the Jewish proselytes. Um, though that's not why they kept doing it. So John, in accordance with the custom of the law, began the celebration of the Easter day, well, it was Passover, in the evening of the 14th of the first month, regardless of when it fell, on the Sabbath or any other day. But when Peter preached at Rome, remembering the Lord rose from the dead and brought the hope of the resurrection the first day of the week, he always waited for the rising of the moon on the 14th day to keep it like John did. But he proceeded to celebrate it on Sunday. Okay, but he did this on the night before on Saturday evening. So because the days go from sunset to sunset, what they're saying is Peter, and by the way, there's no proof whatsoever that Peter switched Passover to a Saturday night. But this is what, what they're saying. So it came about Easter Sunday was kept then uh, at a later time. But all the followers of St. John since his death and also the church throughout the world have followed his observance. But he said, but the true Easter is the one that should be celebrated, the one that he wants to do. So let me just word this another way. He admits the Apostle John and the early church were fairly Jewish in their practices, that the Apostle John kept the original teachings, that Passover the 14th is what John did. And while it's true that Jesus was resurrected on a Saturday evening or uh, afternoon, there's no known early document, like prior to the 3rd century, that said Peter did anything like this. And if, as the abbot says, Peter kept Passover, which he called Easter here, on Saturday evening, then how come they do it Sunday morning? Uh, most keep Easter as a resurrection holiday, not as Passover, which is what Peter and John would have done. All those in Asia Minor followed after John. All those in Jerusalem for 100 years followed John's practices. And we're, they're basically saying that John was just afraid. I, I just, that, I don't see that. Now, interestingly, there's a Catholic scholar named Bugatti, and he admitted, since St. John spent the first years of his apostolate in Palestine together with James, it's obvious that he had the custom of celebrating Easter, actually Passover, on the 14th from the Mother Church. That's right. The original church in Jerusalem kept it on the 14th. John kept it on the 14th. Now, John claimed to faithfully keep what Jesus taught. Go to uh, John 21. Gospel of John, chapter 21. And I'm going to read uh, verse 24. 
This is this, this is John, is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know his testimony is true. So John said, Look, I'm telling you the truth here. Now let's go to first John two. First John chapter two. The Epistle of John, chapter two. And pick this up in verse eighteen. Little children, it is the last hour, and you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know it's the last hour. Verse 19. They went out from us, so they claimed to be Christian. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. I mention this because one of the first changes that we have recorded... One of the first differences between the true church of God and the Greco-Roman churches was the shifting from Passover on the 14th to being a Sunday, which then later became Easter Sunday. And the Greco-Roman scholars know, or should know, at least the ones who've looked into this, should know, that the Apostle Paul, well, the Apostle Paul too, but the Apostle John kept Passover on the 14th. But they don't, they don't do it. What was interesting was that actually when they went into uh, the Celtic areas at first, they found that some of them were originally keeping Passover on the 14th. They were not keeping Easter Sunday. And this upset various ones over there. And over time, they, they changed it. The, uh, let me read this. This is from uh, uh, The Lives of the Popes. This is written by a Catholic scholar, uh, uh, Richard uh, McBrien, who, although I haven't met, I have actually emailed him. Uh, he was a priest and was a professor of theology at University of Notre Dame. Quote, Pope Vitalin, Vitalin supported the efforts of the king of North Umbria. Now that's kind of a... I can use my hands on the map. This is London. This is North Umbria over this region in the British Isles. Okay. Following the Synod of Whitby in 664, to establish in England the Roman as opposed to the Celtic date of East for Easter. Right. What had originally happened was either one of the original apostles or one of the followers of the original apostles or one of their descendants got to the British Isles. And that's how Christianity originally got there. But when the Church of Rome showed up, they saw people keeping Passover the 14th. They weren't doing it on Sunday. Okay, so this Pope decided that they needed a, uh, to enforce this in around 664. The Celtic, they didn't want to use the Celtic date, that is, uh, they want to use the Roman date, that is the Sunday after the Jewish Passover, rather than the Passover itself, and other Roman practices as well. So, original Christianity, when it had nothing to do with the church, the Greco Roman churches of uh, Rome, Compromised Jerusalem, which was again for a while called uh, Aela Capitolina, and Alexandria, Egypt. Now they all compromised. But those who uh, were not directly related to them, like at first those in Asia Minor, and then again those in the Celtic regions, up until sometime in the 7th century, the Celtic regions were basically trying to keep Passover on the 14th, and they were not keeping Easter Sunday. Now, Easter simply was not observed by early Christians, nor those who felt they needed to obey the God of the Bible. 
those who felt they should obey the God of the Bible knew that they shouldn't adopt pagan customs or pagan holidays. Easter was a result of compromise with scripture and with paganism. And it basically was combined with the fear of man and anti-Semitism. First, Easter was, uh, Passover was switched to Sunday out of fear and compromise. Second, to try to justify it, this, the improper teaching that Jesus was resurrected on a Sunday began to flourish. Then, third, we saw lots of anti-Jewish or literature, anti-Semitic literature start to pop up. So that was another reason why we started to see this whole uh, Easter thing. Then this was changed, the meaning, to have more to do with the resurrection and renewal than the practices of Passover. So we saw one change after another after another. And people thought, I'm sure they thought each of their compromises and changes made sense. I mean, who wants to die? Okay. Well, we may end up dying for our faith. Jesus said to persecute you one town and go somewhere else. Now, he didn't say to compromise and stay, by the way. But that's what some did, instead of listening to the words of Jesus. They didn't want to die. I understand they didn't want to die. But they weren't supposed to compromise and then turn against the Jews and to then switch the date of uh, Jesus' resurrection. But that's what they did. Because of those changes, it apparently decided it wasn't too much of a stretch to say, look, we've got this spring holiday, it's a resurrection one, we've got the pagans, they're doing some resurrection stuff. Yeah, we know they got a bunch of sex symbols and stuff in there, but we'll just change them a little bit. Instead of the eggs being a fertility symbol, we'll say it's a resurrection symbol. And uh, we'll say that we color them for the blood of Christ, even though we know Jesus used wine as a symbol of his blood, not, not eggs. But because this happened so long ago, so long ago, most people don't understand it at all. And they don't realize that, quote, the principal feast of the ecclesiastical year by the Church of Rome, which is Easter, was not observed by original Christians. Now, if you say this to secular sources, especially you know, people think they're educated in the media, they think you're crazy. Well, obviously, you know, the Church of Rome should know what their holidays were. Huh? They know what their holidays are, uh, and some of them know how they got them, but they didn't come from the Bible. Easter did not come from the Bible. Now, the idea of having Passover is supported by both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Early Christians kept Passover. They kept it on the 14th. They did not keep Easter Sunday. Easter is not truly a Christian holiday. It's the result of compromise is result of relying on traditions of men instead of God. And those of you who want to compromise understand that that's not what Christians are supposed to do. And that's not the, what Jesus wanted us to do. And that's not what the Apostle John, the last of the Apostles to live, the one who wrote the last several books of the New Testament, said to do. Easter is not endorsed by the Bible, nor was Jesus even resurrected on a Sunday. If you truly consider yourself a Christian, do not observe Easter and do not keep it or the pagan symbols such as eggs and bunnies, etc. associated with it. This is Dr. Bob Teal of the Continuing Church of God.